Hello to all our listeners. Today we are studying Hilchot Shabbat, Perek of Aleph. This is Yosef Aur teaching. Um, this is in this chapter, so I'm just going to do a short introduction because really we're entering now a strand of six chapters that deal with the Derabanan laws regarding Shabbat. Derabanan meaning by the sages, by Hachamim, additional laws um, regarding Shabbat. There's two main types of laws. That uh, prohibitions that were made by Hachamim in regard to Shabbat. The first one, and this is what we're going to see in the next three chapters, is what we call Isur Shebut. Isur Shebut is laws that were formulated in order to distance people from possibly transgressing scriptural laws, which of course um, result in scriptural punishment of Sekilah Karet for being done purposefully in Korban Hatat, for being done by mistake. So these are that's what we call Isur Shebut, to distance us from doing these uh, possibly transgressing these laws, and I'll speak a little bit more on that in a second. And the second type of derabanan prohibitions are those made by hachamim, so that misvat shebita, in other words, sh uh, doing Shabbat, can be done in a proper manner, and that we will see um, later on, perikafdalit or kafhe, and onwards. So, in regard to isur shevut, there are two reasons, two main um, reasons for the Isur of Shavuot, two main types of Isur Shavuot. The first type are those, those prohibitions which were made in order to distance people from doing the Melachot themselves. So you have um, something which may bring you to do a Melacha, so Hachamim prohibit us from doing that something. The second type of Isur Shavuot is prohibitions of doing a certain action which is very close to an actual melacha and can, if allowed, cause people to transgress actual scriptural melachot. It's a little different than the previous one. This is something which there's no isud, there's nothing. It looks like a melacha, and therefore we're afraid that if we allow you to do this, you may come to do a melacha. So the first one, I'm just going over. The first one is things that may bring you to do a melacha for whatever reason, okay, without realizing. So this, this deals with the human psychology. Both of them have interesting psychological aspects. And the second type is a prohibition of something which looks like a melacha and therefore is prohibited. We will see this in the following halachot and in the next three chapters. Um, this is what our focus is going to be on. So I will start. Halacha Aleph. Ne'emar Torah tishbot. It says in the Torah to rest. Rest as a commandment. Even things that are not a melacha from the lamitet melachot, you have to be shovet from them. You have to rest from them. So there are many things which are not officially a melacha from the 39 melachot, which hachamim prohibited, and you must not and are prohibited to do on Shabbat. And the two reasons, as I previously just mentioned, are mentioned here in the halakha. The first one is to not do things which look like melachot and may bring you to do a melacha that way. And the second type of things are things that are a prohibition so that you do not, by mistake, end up doing a melacha. Halakha bet. So it is known, one of the lamitet melachot is choresh. And anybody who does what is called hashva'at gumot, he um, uh, um, uh, flattens pits or holes, so he is hayav from the melechet choresh, which is um, uh, plowing. 
Therefore, it is asur to go um, to do one's um, uh, in a sedeh niran shabbat. A sedeh niran shabbat is a field that was plowed but not yet planted, and therefore you have pl a plowed field, but it's not yet planted, so it's not you know it's your guard is a little down, so you're still the field in your mind is still in the stages before planting. Therefore, you're in your mind you may end up doing things in this field so there's a chance that the person may do what's gumot if he goes to this field on shabbat therefore it is asur so somebody who has a storage house in osar and in a storage house there are many produce there's many of a certain produce so when you take out this produce usually it would be hay or something of the type do, you're not, it is prohibited to take out everything for the very simple reason that if you if you take out everything, there's a chance that you may end up doing hashva'at gumot when the when you see the ground, um, the, the, the the floor, the, and of course I, I mentioned a few times in those days the floors were not made out of tiles or stone, they were made out of uh, ground, and therefore you're in your, especially in the storage house, and therefore in the storage house somebody may, um, after taking out everything from the storage house, you may end up doing hashva'at gumot, which is a surah shabbat, therefore there's this prohibition to take out everything, you have to leave a layer of um, uh, whatever is being stored. So if somebody has mud on his leg, he may clean his leg on a wall or on a wooden beam. However, he may not clean his leg or his foot on the ground for the very reason that he may do hashva'at gumot. Another prohibition. It is not permitted to spit on the ground and rub the spit or scrub the spit with your foot for the very reason that you may do hashva'at gumot. However, if there was spit on the ground and somebody was walking, he may, there's no problem if he steps on it while he's walking, you know, to get from, from where he needs to, from place to place. Halakha gimel. Women or children or anybody, but this is just what is more Matsui in the world, what is more um, common in those days was women who do this, um, that are playing with almonds and nuts and things like that, are not allowed to play with them on Shabbat because usually they would play these games on the floor, like some games with the nuts, we, I don't know, I can't think of an example now. Maybe that today that would be like marbles. Um, because shemei avol hashvot gumot. Shemei avol hashvot gumot. Also, it is prohibited to um, clean the ground. Shemei hashvot gumot. It's forbidden to clean the somebody's uh, floor in his house. Um, so that shemei hashvot gumot. Because we're afraid that he might do hashvot gumot. From now on, I'm just going to say shemei hashvot gumot. And I've explained that enough times so that it, it will be understandable. Unless the floor was tiled with stone, like today's modern day um, tiled floors, there's no problem to sweep. That's what Kibuda Karka, if I forgot to mention, is sweeping the ground. However, it is mutar to throw water on the ground. And we have no problem um, doing this because um, we're not afraid that the person might do hashva'at gumot um, because usually people are not mashvim gumot when they after they spill water on the ground and also even if he by mistake did do hashva'at gumot it is davar she'enu metkaven on shabbat which is mutar as explained in chapter 
one, go there if you do not remember. It is prohibited to do what is called um, to grease or smear the ground with a cleaning agent of sorts, even if the floor had was um, tiled with with um, uh, stone tiles like today. Also, it is prohibited to blow on the ground to get it, to get rid of dirt. Also, it is prohibited to clean it in a with water. Even on Yom Tov, and of course, if it's a surah on Yom Tov, then obviously it's also a surah on Shabbat. For two reasons, the for um, for the for one reason which brings to another, because when somebody cleans the ground, it is in his habitual system. It's a habit of cleaning that in those days especially that you would do at gumot. And now we're afraid that if you do this through your habitual cleaning skills or the way you usually clean, you may end up doing at gumot on Shabbat and therefore it is asur because this is the way you do it in hall and you may do at gumot. Of course, this is all in a situation in which the ground is not rasuf. However, if there are tiles, it is a different story. So let's say somebody at a yard which got overly filled with mud due to rainfall. So he may bring, so what it was customary in those days to bring uh, straw in order to put on the ground to, so, to, so to speak, flatten the area to make it easier to step on um, and to stop um, the mud from entering people's feet. So you may do so on Shabbat. However, when you do this redud, when you do this um, uh, flattening of the ground with the straw, you mustn't do it in the way you do it in hull, but rather um, do it in a way that's a little different from the hull, so that you don't, from habitual, um, uh, from habit, end up doing hashva'at gumot. Um, watering seeds. Hayav mishum zorea. Watering seeds on Shabbat um, is asur from the melacha of zorea, and somebody who does water seeds on Shabbat is hayav midin Torah from scriptural law. Lefichach. Therefore, hachamim came and made a prohibition. Asur lishov min habor beglal begalgal gezera shemei yamalei aginato ulchorbato. Therefore, it is prohibited to bring up water in the usual manner of bringing it up with a bucket from a well. Okay, because we are afraid that he may um, um, uh, fill it up to his gina or churba. What is gina to churba to? Um, a gina or churba is a yard. Okay, a gina. So, so we're afraid that he doesn't. So he doesn't end up watering his field or ruin. The gina, the is a, the yard is a field with proper normal growth, while a ruin. Is something that we're referring to is the, the ruin that we're referring to the churba is a field that was dried or out of order for whatever other reason and this is why Adam Bam continues by saying that this prohibition is only in the well that is outside the confines of somebody's private area however if it is in his own yard and not in his field he may take out water for distinct private use because 
We're not scared that he might this way transgress the scriptural law, and we will see this right now. If his well was in his haser, was in his yard, he may take out because he's taking out to water his family, to give his people to drink, and there's no chance that he might somehow transgress uh, scriptural law. Tearing, the action of tearing, um, is somebody who tears is liable for kesira. Kesira is one of the lamitet melachot. It is harvesting. Now, harvesting is, of course, anything that is connected to the ground. So therefore, it is prohibited to take out honey from one's beehive on Shabbat because it is like tearing. Also, it is prohibited to go on top of a tree to climb a tree, whether the tree was wet or dry. Also, it is prohibited to um, um, uh, 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 hold on to a vine, uh, hold on to a tree, meaning like uh, stay, stay suspended in the air from a tree. Also, it is prohibited to lean on a tree. Also, it is prohibited for one to get on the tree before Shabbat in order to stay there all of Shabbat. Also, it is prohibited to use anything that is still connected to the ground because we are scared that the person may end up doing telisha. Now, which I, I would like to just remind the two rules that I, I said at the beginning of this, of this uh, chapter of um, the two types of Isur Shevut, the one being in Isur Shevut, so that some um, to do something that is close to a melacha because then the person may end up doing a, a, the real melacha thing that the real melacha is mutar and the second type being um doing something which may bring a person to by mistake do a melacha and this specific halacha which we just read halacha vav we see those two we see on one hand the isur of the prohibition of taking honey out of a beehive because it looks like telisha because it's like tearing it's very close to tearing we're afraid that the person may end up doing the melacha therefore Also, um, uh, it is Asur, um, uh, uh, the second one is, The second one is, It is prohibited to use anything connected to the ground because it may bring the person to transgress the scriptural law. You see, that's the two things. Something, one thing could bring you to transgress the scriptural law. Another thing is something that's close to one of the melachot, and therefore, hachamim these are the two types of isture, shevut. Fruits that um, fell off a tree on Shabbat. It is prohibited to eat them on Shabbat, if they fell on Shabbat, so that somebody doesn't end up doing telisha. Hadasa mechubar, myrtle, that is connected to the ground, although we said you're not allowed to use anything that is con uh, uh, still connected to the ground, myrtle that is still connected to the ground, mutal leharih bo, it is permitted to smell it, she'en hanayato illa leharih bo, because it is per permitted to smell it, because the enjoyment, the typical enjoyment of myrtle, of hadas, is in the smelling of the hadas, and the smell of hadas was masui, it is a smell that is common, um, and this is of course in regard to the days of Arambam, but something that they didn't prohibit, we're not going to prohibit ourselves, um, even if hadas isn't as masui today, isn't as common as it was, um, 
we're still going to, uh, we're still not going to let, so does it. Abal etrog, however, citron, the tapuach, an apple, and anything, I'm not sure if this is the apple of today or a different type of fruit, but etrog v'tapuach v'chol ha-ra'u ila anything that is fit for human consumption, asul l'areach bo b'mchubar gizira shemeyakus oto l'okhlo, it is prohibited to smell any fruit that is still connected to the ground so that because we are afraid that he may end up doing a melacha, the melacha of kesisa, um, kesira, um, in order to eat it, which is, of course, prohibited scripturally. Me, the oraita. The oraita means scriptural. Halacha het. Ilan, a tree. A tree that its roots were above the ground, over three tefahim above the ground, it is prohibited to sit on them. However, if they were not over three tefahim above the ground, if they were below the three tefahim, three tefahim is about 24 centimeters, a little less than a foot, um, they are like the ground because we said, if the roots were, so to speak, going from um, from the bottom of the from the ground up until above three tefahim, you may use the place that is within the three tefahim limit. Limit. However, if they were if they were above the ground three tefahim. Even if below them there's an area in the ground which is a little, which is, for instance, a little pit that's under them because of water that falls or something like that, it is still, if, if it's above the typical ground, three tefahim, then it is asur to sit on it, just like the beginning of the halakha. Halakhatit. It is prohibited to ride a behema, an animal, on Shabbat. Because we are afraid that he may end up cutting a vine in order to, um, uh, um, uh, you know, hit the animal to tell it where he wants to go. Also, it is prohibited to hang on from on, onto, a behe, onto an animal. Also, it is prohibited to sit on the behema from the daytime so that he could continue sitting it on Shabbat. Also, it is prohibited to lean on the behema. However, the Things to lean on something that's already leaning on the behemah is mutar. Now, somebody went on to climbed on top of a tree on Shabbat. If he did it bishogeg, he may get off. However, if he did it on purpose, if he did it by mistake, he may get off on Shabbat. However, if he climbed on the tree on purpose, he may not get off the tree. And on an animal. Even if he got on the animal on purpose, he must get off. How come? Because of sa'ar ba'alei ha'im, because um, there's a v'chen um, there's sa'ar ba'alei ha'im. We do not want to cause pain to the animals. And Arabam um, distinctly says that in a few places that sa'ar ba'alei ha'im that the pain uh, causing pain to an animal is a prohibition from the oraita. Um, he says this in the Morena Bukhim Helik Shelishi Perik. Yodzain, if anybody wants to look there, they will see what he says about Sa'ab al-Hayim. V'chen porekina masoy me'ala behema b'shabbat mishum sa'ar ba'alei hayim. Also, um, any load that is on top of the behema on Shabbat, on top of an animal on Shabbat, you may take it off because of sa'ar ba'alei hayim. Halakha, yod, kesa, how? What, um, and this is in regard to taking off 
a load from a behemah that is on top of a behemah. He had a animal which had on top of it a um, uh, amount of a load of tebua um, of hay or something like that. He may put his head under the load and push the load off the animal and it'll fall on its own. In other words, he's doing it in a different manner than he usually does. Somebody was walking. Excuse me. Somebody was walking and it became night on Shabbat. And his animal had a load on it. When he reaches the outer, the out yard, the yard that's on the outermost um, section of his private domain, of his home, or wherever he wants to put um, his behemah, he may take off whatever is mutar to take off on Shabbat. Meaning he may take off the animal, whatever is mutar to take off. So if he has something that is not prohibited to hold on Shabbat, he may hold it. And we'll see later on in this in the later chapters, the isur of holding certain objects on Shabbat, what we call mukseh. And things that are not permitted to touch on Shabbat, the person may undo the ropes, because this is not a kesher shil of course, any kesher that's to tie an animal, to tie load onto an animal, animal is not kesher shil and is not kesher shil umanin, and therefore it's mutar to undo it on Shabbat, and the load falls on its own. However, if there were um, valuables, um, sorry, um, objects that can break on the animal, if there were small sacks, he may bring um, pillows and and, uh, and and different blankets that he puts under the behemah, and when these valuable these breakable objects fall, they will the karim will break their fall. Um, normally, this would be asur because it would seem like mevatel keli mehechano, like um, canceling a um, uh, something from its um, usual use. However, this is not exactly mevatel keli mehechano in this specific situation. Because if he wants to take away the pillow, he can't. The the loads are not heavy; they're small loads, and therefore. Um, the, the, the karim, the pillows, are just there to break the fall and not really to hold whatever falls on them. He's not using the pillows as a keli, as a, as a, some, as a something to hold them, but rather he's just, they're breaking the fall. Now, if the animal had even larger bags, with even larger bags, meaning also could be small bags, with break with broken glass. They used to use broken glass for different types of commerce. Okay, so he he is not permitted to use the karim and kesatot, but rather he unties it and lets it fall because this is not something which, if it breaks, it causes monetary harm to the person. She, or doesn't cause great monetary harm in any event. Any glass that is like that, they used to use it. They used to melt it and reform it into a different type of glass. For something so small, or whatever small monetary damage there may be from this, even though I cannot think of any monetary damage that will come from breaking already broken glass, um, it's so small that didn't make any special um, hitiri. 
If the bags were big and they had uh, breakables or things that were valuable that he did not want to let them fall on the ground by untying and that's it, he may take them off calmly with no um, uh, you know, with, with no stress. And in any event, the whole the whole point is that we do not want to leave loads on top of our behemoth, on top of our animals on Shabbat, because of the important rule of Sa'ba Um It is prohibited to from the Torah, according to Adam Bam, to cause harm to Ba'ale Haim on Shabbat to animals. Uh, not on Shabbat, and in, in, in any day to cause harm to animals. Connecting fruits, meaning um, sticking fruits together until they become one unit, is prohibited on Shabbat from the oraita mishum melechet me'amer because it is melechet me'amer. Okay, me'amer is taking the harvest and turning it into um, bundles. And therefore, somebody who his fruits got scattered in his yard. Okay? He may take them slowly, one by one, and eat them, um, and eat them. However, he may not pick them up into a basket or anything like that, like he does on Hol. Why? Because if he does it like he does it during Hall, on regular days, on weekdays, he may, without even realizing, when the fruits are in the basket, he may squish them one to another and end up doing Imur, which is prohibited on Shabbat. So in the Talmud, there is no given reason for the prohibition of gathering scattered fruits. So the, there's a Mahloket Rishonim. Some Rishonim say that the Isur um, of picking up scattered fruits is because of the hard work of doing so. Um, in the in, in for instance, in a case that the fruits were scattered very far, however, other Rishonim say that it is asur because it looks like he is borer, which is asur on Shabbat, like he's splitting things. Okay, we'll see later on. But Harambam, as clearly seen here, says that it is not from those two reasons mentioned. And why is that? Because there's no apparent reason given in the Talmud, and therefore the only reason Harambam the reason Harambam gives is the most logical one, namely. So that a person does not end up by mistake sticking the fruits one to another. This is logical. Fruits fell. You put them in, in, a, in, a, in a basket. You're going to by mistake stick them one to another. That's the most logical thing. Now, we're going to see another weird, another interesting isur. It is prohibited to take scattered salt and put it into one place. Why? Um, because he may, it's not that he may end up doing an isur from this. There's no isur that could come out of it. Only because it looks like he is doing me'amerin, as we noted in the beginning of this chapter. Um, this is one of those the, the reasons that Hachamim did isur shebut and shabbat. Halachayot bet. Mefarek hayav mishum dash. Dismantling, okay, one thing from another, is prohibited on shabbat mid the oraita mishum dash. They used to know those days. Look at chapter seven eight. You'll see what Disha is. They would take, um, split the pesolet, the dirt, the um, unwanted parts of the wheat from the seeds of wheat. And squeezing olives and grapes 
is also prohibited mishum mefarek, which is hayav mishum dash, which is hayav mide oraita. Lefichach, therefore, asul lishot tutim verimonim o ilu mixat bnei adam sochatim otam kezetim va'anavim. Therefore, it is prohibited to squeeze um, um, uh, pomegranates and strawberries because some people. Because it was common practice in those days that some people used to squeeze them. I mean, it wasn't fully common. It was something that people used to do, that they used to squeeze them like, um, uh, like zetim va'anavim, like um, uh, olives and grapes. And then we are afraid that if we allow him to do to squeeze strawberries and pomegranates, he may end up squeezing also zetim va'anavim, um, uh, uh, grapes and olives. But however, she'abberot. Other fruits, Keron Parishin, Vetapohen, Vozradin, whatever other fruits, Mutalis of Tambe Shabbat, Mipenish Enan Binash Enan Binashaita is permitted to squeeze them on Shabbat because they are not squeezables. There's nothing to squeeze. Halachayot Gima Kevashin Ushlakot Shesehata. Okay, um, pickled, st steamed, or boiled fruits that he squeezed. If it was just to um, uh, to um, uh, soften them, it is permitted. However, if he squeezes these pickled things or these steamed things to take out their water, to take out their juices, it is prohibited because it looks like sechita. This is a law that is less relevant where I live in Eretz Israel. Maybe a little more relevant to those. Of you listening in New York, um, it is prohibited to crush the snow so that its water comes out of it. However, he may crush the snow into a cup or into a bowl. Um, uh, uh, garlic or um, something, boser is something like garlic, um, wheat that is very, very ripe. That he, that he crushed them from the day. So there were two um, parts in um, uh, crushing the wheat. The first part would be to take out their um, the, the parts that, that are not wanted, so the, the peels, etc. So you would like to crush it to get the peels off. The second part would be to do what's called dicha, to smash them. So if the smashing wasn't done, he may not do the smashing on Shabbat. However, if they were already smashed and they only need to be now crushed, like a last crush to make them one more, um, one, um, uh, you know, like Isa, one, you know, thing, one unit of, I can't, the words are slipping my mind. Shahikash has a thinner type of uh, uh, crushing. Bayad, mutalo ligmor lo. And if he wants to do the shahika with his hand, he may do it on Shabbat. However, with a keli, shahika is asur. With a you know a professional instrument of shahika is asur. Therefore, therefore, um, they used to have what's called isa parur. It was the bulgur, the, the bulgur that we have today. You could search on the internet what that is. Whoever doesn't know what that is, famous food they have in Israel till today. People eat it. Um, so they used to make it by cooking wheat in a certain manner on Shabbat, and then they would crush it at the end. So it is mutar to do so on Shabbat after it is taken off the fire. It is like mehusar shehika and not mehusar dicha. Halachayot dalit. 
Amolin melilot. So we said melilot are fully ripened wheat that you, you could, with your hand, you crush out the seeds. Molel b'shinui. You have to do it in a manner which is not like you do it in the during during the week. So it doesn't look like he's doing disha, like he's splitting um, the peel from the wheat, from the seeds, like in a manner of disha. Disha was a very specific way to do it. Somebody who nurses with his mouth, patur. We're talking about an animal. However, if an animal had milk and it was crying, in other words, it was in pain because it needed to be nursed. It is permitted to do so on Shabbat with his mouth because he's not really doing mefarek. It's kila hariyad. And for hachamim hetiru, they are permitted to do to um uh, to nurse a pain, uh, animal that was in pain to relieve it of its pain. Fruits that liquid oozed out of them on Shabbat. If it was olives and grapes, it is not prohibited to use, to drink those drinks, those uh, uh, liquids that ooze out on Shabbat because we are afraid that he may end up squeezing the, the grapes and the, and the uh, olives on Shabbat, which is, of course, Asur Deoraita, as previously mentioned. However, if with strawberries and pomegranates, if these strawberries and pomegranates were specified for eating, the liquids that come out of them are mutarim. However, if they were specified to be crushed, this has to do somewhat with the laws of Mokseh. We will see that in Lachot Yom Tov and later on in Lachot Shabbat as well. Halacha Tidzain. Zetiva Anavi. One moment. Olives and grapes that he crushed, that some that an individual crushed from Arev Shabbat. And out of them came on Shabbat, after they were crushed, oozed out of them liquid. The liquid is mutar. Why? Because the initial crushing before Shabbat made it so that these could not be crushed more on Shabbat, meaning they were already crushed. And therefore, anything that oozes out of them is from that initial crushing. And we're not afraid that this will bring you to do sehita um, on um, Shabbat with grapes and, uh, and, uh, and olives. Also, honeycombs that were crushed the drinks, the liquids that ooze out of them on Shabbat are permitted. Because there's no, there's no place here for prohibition as he has already done the risuk the crushing on Erev Shabbat. Halachayot Zayn. Zoreh uborer. The splitting of the unwanted schmutz from the wheat and the, the wheat, um, the seeds of the wheat, from the wheat and the seeds. Me'avot melachot. And this is one of the avot melachot. Actually, it's two avot melachot. Lefichach. Even though we said to do what's called melilat melilot is mutar if you do it with the tips of your fingers like beshinu in a way that's not commonly done. When he does nefiha, 
if he wants to blow the schmutz away from the seeds, from the wheat seeds, he may do it. He may blow with his mouth with all his power, meaning blow strong with his mouth when the seeds are in his hand. However, he may not do it with a kanon and a tampoy. What is a kanon and a tampoy? A kanon or kanun is something which actually looks very much like the modern day instrument called the kanun. Um, and that is the way it's described by some of the Mefarshim of the Talmud. It really is like the kanun, the modern day kanun. It's an Arabic instrument. Um, it's sort of like a fun, uh, 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 some sort of keli, uh, some instrument that is, that is triangularly shaped. And on the, on the tip of the triangle would come out all the the schmutz would come out and you would shake it in a certain way. But about tampoy, the tampoy is just a like a bowl. This is a prohibition so that the person doesn't end up doing it with an apayna kevara. So now I must explain. There are three types of ways to do this nipuah, to get the schmutz out with um, by, by, by virtue of nipuah. The first way is to blow on it. Okay? With nipuah. Sorry. First way is to blow on it. That's to blow the schmutz of the weed out. The second way is to use some sort of bowl, kanon, tamhoi, something that is not normally used for this. Okay? So kanon and tamhoi are not normally used for this. From the oraita, it is mutar to use a kanon and a tamhoi. However, using a kanon and a tamhoi for this purpose on Shabbat is asur because it looks like napain chevara. Napain chevara are professional sifting um, uh, instruments, okay, which are used to professionally sift the wheat from the dirt on it, the seeds of the wheat from the dirt that are on them, and therefore you're not allowed to use an kanon and tamhoi either, so that you don't end up doing it with an apain chevara shehu hayav, which is um, um, uh, completely prohibited from scriptural deoraita law. And somebody who sifts the um, yeast that comes at, that's at the bottom of the wine. Okay, we said in the, some previous halachot that it, at the bottom of the wine there would be like this um, fl phlegm type of yeast leftovers that they would they would save and they would use it later on. They would sift it. They would sift water through and out of the, and that water would be like wine, etc. So meshamer shemarim is a tolada of borer omeraket. It's tolada borer omeraket lefichach. We said it is mutar to sift wine that is already sifted or water that is already sifted using um, cloths or using a type of basket made out of lulav leaves. That's kefifah um, may not make a um, uh, a uh, a guma a like dent in the sudar so that it should not be like he does it in the weekdays i'm going to be honest i don't want to you know 100% on i did not 100% understand this this line here he's saying I'm, I'll, I'll say what i understand the peshat that i understand but if anybody has a better explanation i am open to hearing it is they would take the cloth that you would do the sifting of the shemarim in and you would make like a dent in the cloth you'd like put a Make a spot that is a little more dented downwards, and then you put the shemarim and you pour water, etc. And that would, and the shemarim would be kept in that dent. So this is not permitted to do on Shabbat because it's very much very close. Um, because this is the way they do it on the weekdays, and then he might end up doing it. He might end up 
you know, from doing it with a sudar, which is only asur midirabanan, he'll end up doing it um with the regular mishmeret, with the regular professional instrument of that of use that they would use to do the sinun shemarim. Therefore, it is asur also to do it with the sudar with the, if you do make a guma in the sudar. Also, it is prohibited to hang the um, sifter like he does it in the weekdays. Um, in other words, he would have the sifter put in a certain spot um, when it was used a lot, so you wouldn't always take it in and out of the closet or drawer or whoever would be hidden. You would have it in a certain spot, like put in its set set position and it would always be used you know as a person's working with going about their daily lives they would use it and they would have it out so you're not allowed to have it out on shabbat so that the person doesn't end up doing it without noticing doing shimur shemari also um making cheese taking splitting cheese from the liquids after they would put a special they would put the, the milk in a chemical called rene which which is found in the stomach of many animals of which are specifically kosher, by the way. It's only found in kosher animals. So they would use this. Um, uh, so after they would put the milk there, the milk would split from the liquids. You would have hard and liquid um, specimens there, and they would take the hard and connect it. So that is habus, and that is toledet borer. That is a tolada of berira, because you're splitting the the good from the bad. You're splitting the cheese that comes out of the out of the, that chemical process from the liquids that you do not want. Therefore, even though it is mutar to take sesame seeds or almonds or whatever, um, you know, nuts and put them in, in the honey for cooking purposes or whatever, you know, uh, they used to make candies out of it till today. You have some people who make that. Um, you see that a lot. Uh, I forgot the names. It's the Persian snack. I forgot the name. So it, it is mutar to stick it in, but to now... Um, Make clumps out of it is asur. Halacha yodhet. Hamehatechet ayarak dak dak. Okay. So, in Harambam's language and in the language of the Talmud, yarak is not vegetables, but rather it is greenery, green, um, uh, any greens, okay, leaves, spinach, lettuce, etc. So cutting the greens very, 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 very small. In order to cook, this is a tolada of tohen. It is a tolada of um, tehina. Vehayat, and therefore it is hayat. Levichach, en merasekin, lo et ashahat, velo et aharubin, lifne behema, ben daka ben gasa. Therefore it is prohibited to crush um, those leaves which are already, you know, made to throw and you go, you give them to the animals to eat or the carobs that they would give to the animals to eat. Ben daka ben gasa, whether the and it was behema daka, behema gasa, mi penish nir akitohan, because it looks like tehina. Abal, but me hatehina te deluan ifneha behema, beta nebela ifneha kilabim, she in tehina, papero. But it is mutar to cut um, uh, deluan, um, uh, pumpkins for the behema to eat, or to cut up a carcass that was to be given to a dog, because there's no tehina in perot and in meat, in meat products. Also, it is mutar to undo stalks of of hay for the behemoth. Um, that was amir. Amir is um, like a type of uh, 
hey um, and let and take out the small parts and guy give them to the behemot even though you would think that it's some sort of uh, can be connected somehow to the hetuch dagdak or something like that is mutar but he may not take out the heavy ones because there is Torah to do this so you have a uh, uh, I'll try to describe it you have some sort of stalks of hay and you undo the stalks of hay and out come thicker pieces of hay and thinner pieces of hay so the thinner pieces you may take out and give to the behema halakha yothet so nana that's se'ah and different types of za'atar that's ezov and koranit that he the specified use of them was for the feeding of animals a person may eat them he may enjoy them but he may not do it in the regular manner in which he would usually do it in the weekday how, how could how does he do it he cuts it with the tips of his finger the tips of his fingers and eats it not in a way that he would usually do it with his whole hand but rather with the tips of his finger but he shouldn't do it with his hands in a less constricted manner in the way he does it usually because then he may end up doing um uh, like a type of uh, Somebody who needs to crush hot pepper, okay, chili peppers, and the like, to put into food on Shabbat, it is mutar to do this um, with the back of the knife in a bowl. However, aval. However, to do this in a professional crusher, they would have like the makhteshit. So this is asur because it's like tohen. Therefore, it is prohibited for a healthy person to consume um, uh, medicinal products on Shabbat. Um, and this is a prohibition so that a person doesn't end up doing shahikat samamanim, crushing of the different medicinal spices, medicinal um, uh, herbs. And in those days, really, most of the medicine was based on herbs and spices. A lot of the medicine, I don't know if most of the medicine, was based on crushing herbs and spices in certain manners, which would uh, cause uh, health, which would, give people, which would have medicinal value, whether placebo or not. You know, I don't know if compare that to modern-day medicine, but still, that's how they would do it. How? What does Arambam mean? A person should not eat things that are not the food of healthy, that are, you know, a healthy person can eat them, but only sick people eat them, like ezoin, za'atar, types of types of green, and pu'a, another type of uh, 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 herb of, that was used only for health, for sick people, and not things that cause um, uh, um, uh, diarrhea. Herbs such as that, such as la'ana. Also, it is asur to drink things that the common healthy people do not drink them. Like water that in it were, cro- were cooked herbs and um, different types of herbs. Um, today, interesting, somebody once asked me about tea. He said, look at the salakha. Uh, maybe tea is asur. So I asked them. Is tea something that only sick people drink? 
or not today most people drink tea regular people healthy people drink tea it's not something that only sick people do um therefore i'm not making but i'm saying that is one of the reasons to be mati of tea it is but that is one of the reasons not to be oser tea from this specific halacha a person may eat um, foods and drinks that have some medicinal health value and they cause, you know, health, they cause people to be healthier, okay, actively, okay. Today I would think of like wheatgrass. Nobody drinks wheatgrass for taste. I mean, 99.9% wheatgrass juice, search it on the internet, see what it is. Nobody drinks that for the for the tastiness of it, for the, you know, for, to savor the taste. People drink it for health value. But this is something most healthy people, many, many healthy people drink. And it's not something sick people drink. So he, you may drink something or eat something that healthy people eat to be healthier because it is ma'achal biri'im. It is the food of healthy people. Um, Haltit is a type of uh, herb, um, juice of an herb that in only in certain places it was ma'achal biri'im. So if he drank it before Shabbat, he may continue drinking it on Shabbat because it is he is used to it on Shabbat. It's, and it's something um, that is ma'achal that, that is not necessarily prohibited. Which is a type of alcohol, um, which also had some health values, um, may be drunk in any place because it is ma'achal biri'im. Also, shemanim, oils, oils that most healthy people um, rub them on themselves. You, it is pr- permitted to rub with them on Shabbat, even if you're doing it for medicinal purposes and oils that 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 healthy people do not rub themselves with are prohibited somebody who has hip pain so in those days in order to um cure hip pain it was customary customary to rub oils on the hip um he may not rub um wine and vinegar on his hurting hips however he may rub oil and a person may not use rose oil unless it's a place which the common people use the common healthy people use rose oil for day-to-day and it is permitted to do with oil olive oil and salt when he says setam shemen, he's talking about referring to olive oil and salt in any place. Let's say somebody was bruised in his hand or his leg. So he may cause, um, he may put wine. They would in those days they would put wine on that bruise to um, cause the blood flow to be there, uh, there to be a little slower and to close the area. So you may do it with wine. However, it is prohibited to do that with vinegar and if by putting the wine it would be a very very serious um uh um procedure for him and it wouldn't be just a regular you know rub wine on the hand it would be something that would be some 
cause him serious, serious medicinal uh, value, it's a suit for him, even for this individual, even with wine. Somebody was um, tooth pains. They used to, when when somebody had tooth pains, they would put, they would um, garble vinegar and spit it out. So somebody who has tooth pains may not do that, but he may gargle and swallow the, the vinegar. I think this is one of those cases that um, that's just a side note. Somebody who has a, a, a throat ache shouldn't gargle oil in his throat and then spit the oil out, but rather he should gargle it and then oh, he, he may drink a lot of oil in order to remedy his sickness. And if he was rem, if he was um, um, cured, then it is okay. In law, but if he wasn't, there's nothing he could do. Unless he's hole or whatever that we saw in the previous chapters in Halakha and Peregim Bet, if I remember correctly. Certain things which are usually used for medicinal purposes, however, they are also used for simple, simple breath control purposes. So those things are allowed to be chewed on on Shabbat if it was for breath controlling purposes and not for their medicinal value. They used to use wine to cure eye sicknesses. So it is prohibited to stick the eye directly, the, the wine directly into the eye. However, it is mutar to put the wine on top of the eyelid and then the wine flows into the eye, um, so to speak, on its own. And also spit that they would, they would use spit to remedy an eye pain. It is asur to put it even on top of the eye because that is something ever very, very um, curing. It's a serious medicine. Kilor was a medicine. Um, I, couldn't I couldn't find what this medicine exactly was. So I'm just going to use its word, kilor. Um, I'm going to look for a second. See if I could, if I maybe am forgetting. Right, it was some sort of eye remedy, um, so that you would need to um, rest in water before Shabbat. You need to rest in water in order to use it. So if he put in water before Shabbat, he may rub it on his on the back of his eye, on the lid of his eye, on Shabbat, and it's okay. However, however, to put the kilor into water on Shabbat is a suit for another reason, which we will see later on. Somebody who bruised his finger, somebody who was injured in his finger shouldn't, is prohibited from um, uh, putting gemi, um, uh, um, uh, you know, some type of cast um, bandage type of thing that would, you know, um, so to speak, keep the finger in place. You know, somebody, when you break a finger, you put a type of minimal cast, and you shouldn't push, press on the finger to take out the blood that is in it. It is prohibited to put oil and vinegar directly on a cut or on a bandage slash um, uh, cotton ball that was already on the makkah on the cut 
or to on a cotton ball that was to be put on a cut on Shabbat. However, Abal, notenu chus lamaka vishotet viored lamaka, he may put it above the, the bruise and it falls on its own into the bruise. And moch, um, a dried moch, can be put onto the cut. Um, and moch was something, is a piece of cotton or um, uh, wool that they used to put as like for bandaging purposes. But it wasn't exactly a bandage; it would more, more um, uh, uh, you know, take in take in any blood that comes out. Um, and when it would get dry, it would be more like a thicker bandage. So you may put dry moch on the makkah if it was dry. However, if it was very dry, it is prohibited because it's like putting a retia, which is like a professional bandage. A, a, a bandage that was on somebody that fell off him. If it fell onto something, not on the ground, you may put it back on. However, if it fell on the ground, it is asur. And putting a bandage on on Shabbat is mutar on Shabbat in Beit Hamikdash because there is no isur shabut in the Mikdash, and this is a, in regard to all the isur shabut which we saw and we will see. And in any place. Um, Right, and in any place, it is mutar to put, to clean a um, uh, a cut. However, it is not mutar to clean the retia, the um, uh, bandage, because we're afraid that he might do miruah, miriha, um, rubbing, which is asura shabbat. Alakha kafhet. Yes. Okay. Sakhin, it is allowed to rub It is allowed to rub and massage the stomach on Shabbat. As long as he's doing the sikha and the mishmush, the massage and the rubbing of oils at once. So he doesn't do it like he does it in Yom Chol. Ve'emet amelin b'Shabbat. It is asur to exercise on Shabbat. Ezehu mitamel. What is the exercising that we're talking about that is asur on Shabbat? Zeh shedoresin al gufo bekoach kedesh yigav yazia, or sheyhalech ad sheyigav yazia sheasur leyagayet asmo kedesh yazia b'Shabbat mipenish yurefuah. The two types of itamlut exercise that Haramban is talking about. One of them is where somebody lies down and people would step on him, and he would have to. Um, uh, and you have to one moment. So the first way is um, uh, that he would um. Uh, one moment. I'm occurring, having some reoccurring technical difficulties here. So, 
Right, is where people would stand on somebody and he would have to like hold his stomach hard and it would cause him to sweat. And the second type is walking, a very common exercise all over the world. Also, it is assumed to be in a place with hydrothermic heat coming out of it, like in Eres Israel. You have this in some places in Hamet Teveria, um, tunnels, um, underground tunnels that would have. That would be very hot till today they have them and these cause a person to sweat and there's a sur therefore on shabbat it is prohibited to wash oneself with water that causes him pain on shabbat such as Tar, which which burns, or yamamela entering it hurts, um, or maimara the contaminated waters of the ocean. because these are all painful to the individual, and it says in the Torah onik, and you must call the Shabbat onik, uh, enjoyment. Therefore. If he entered the water and immediately left them, it is mutar, even if he has bruises or cuts in his head that are getting burned, seared by entering these waters. It is prohibited to scratch oneself with a with an instrument called a scratcher. I don't know how to, I don't know an English word for this. I'm sure there is one. It's not coming to mind. Uh, it would be an instrument that is very rough and you would scratch yourself with it. However, if once an individual's hands were dirty with um, uh, with um, uh, um, uh, mud or feces, he may use it to um, rub the dirt off his hands. It is permitted to do sikha for a person um, uh, um, uh, as we said, to rub oil or different types of things like that on a person, and to scratch somebody, to itch somebody for him in order to give him pleasure, but it may not be done for an animal on Shabbat. However, if the animal was in pain, you may do to take away the pain from the animal. An animal that ate a lot of Karshinin. Karshinin is a type of legume called Visia or Vilia. Um, so it is mutar, that is the Latin phrase, I do not know if this is the English word for it. Um, may not be. So an animal, a behema, an animal that ate too much of this legume and got into pain, it may be taken into the yard, into the haser, and run around the terufa the, the, the for this, the curing for this animal to make it run around, to let the food digest faster. Um, and it is mutar on Shabbat to do that for the animal because of Sa'ar Ba'ali Hayim. And if the animal um, uh, um, did what's called Ahizat Dam, in other words, had um, uh, um, uh, fever, some sort of fever, you may put the animal in water to cool it down, in cooler water to cool it down, and we are not afraid that the person may be, may do for this animal shahikat some money. Halakha la medgima.
and makiin et ha'ochel b'Shabbat. It is prohibited to cause oneself to vomit purposefully on Shabbat. What are what condition are we talking about? In a condition in which somebody takes a medicine which causes him to vomit on Shabbat. However, for an individual to stick his hand into his mouth and cause himself to vomit is muta. And it is not it is pro prohibited to push on a baby's stomach in order to cause it to um uh to, its uh, feces to come out the baby's feces to come out um, because we're afraid that he might from this come give the baby some mamanim. because um, you may cause because he because this may cause him to do shahikat samamanim on Shabbat for the baby to cause the, to cause it to have to, to go faster. Um, it was a common medical practice in those days to put a cuff on the baby's belly button in order to cause the belly button to come out. Okay. Um, what they call today an Audi or an any belly button. So they would, for medical purposes, they would have, they would, it was considered unhealthy for the baby's belly button to fall, to be inwards. And they would have, and they would do this, some medical thing. So there's a mutar to do that with a cup on Shabbat in order to bring the belly button out. Um, also, it is mutar to cover and wrap the baby in whatever manner needs to be wrapped. Or to do what's called when the baby's ears come out of their spot and you pick them up with your hand, with a hand or with this instrument made specifically for this purpose. One moment. I made a mistake. is not the ears, but the jaw. When the jaw gets out of place, um, to put it back into place. Or um, if somebody uh, has a dislocated joint, you may relocate it on Shabbat. Um, all these things, um, when a person does them, you don't need special herbs for them, and therefore we're not afraid that he may do shahikat samamanim, and the person has sa'ar from them, and um, were a little less stringent in places that people were in pain. To um, do what's called which is taking a keli, taking some sort of big bowl, big um, um, uh, tray of sorts, putting the weed inside and shaking it fast and allowing the, the dirt, the unwanted remnants of the wheat um, to come out. To get split from the wheat, so this is an abmelacha. Now, harkada uh, and disha are very similar, but they were put nevertheless as separate avot melachot. Lefichach, therefore, anyway, let's get back to meraked meavot melachot. Lefichach, therefore, in kovrin et ateben bechvara v'lo eni hakevara shish bahateben makom gavo. It is prohibited to take the um, the wheat, the cut wheat, and put it in a sifter, in a professional sifter. Also, it is prohibited to take this bowl that they would sift the wheat in and put it in a high spot so that the wheat 
falls, the unwanted remnants of the wheat would come out. That is what we call the unwanted, that is the name of the unwanted remnants. Because this is close to Miraket. Abal, but, However, it is mutar to take the sifter that has the wheat in it and take it to the manger of the animal, the manger of the animal, even though while you're walking, maybe some of the moss, some of the schmutz might come out um, while you're walking, because this is davar she'enu mitkaven. I must mention, I was using the word schmutz before, and I forgot why. This is because the word schmutz and moss, moss are two very close words. The word schmutz, the modern word that they say, I think it's Yiddish, it comes from moss and mem vav sadi. Okay. Okay. Doing gibul, okay, which is putting. Um, um, different cabbage. So doing gibul is hayab mishum lash. Gibul is where you would take certain um different uh you know herbs or whatever and and put them in water, and that would cause them to go from a um uh yeah yes. So megabel is where you would take um, uh, all kinds of different, uh, you know, chemicals and put them and, and mix them with water. This is hayav mishum lash because you're taking them from one uh, tr- uh, position and transforming them into a one unit of liquid. So this is so hayav mishum lash. And there's a specific meaning. The specifics in this halacha of gibul it is mentioned in the previous chapters. I'm not going to get into those specifics. But it's high mishum lash. In any event, it's where you take chemical A, put it into liquid, and then you mix it, and it co- and it causes some sort of reaction, or the liquid becomes one unit of sorts. And this is very close to lisha, very close to kneading. Therefore, it's asu. Lefichach. Therefore, en megabelin kemach kali harbe shemei avol alush kemach sheeno kali. Kemach kali is is flour that was made out of wheat that was roasted. So this flour that was made out of wheat that was roasted, it is not a sur, it's not prohibited to knead it on Shabbat. Therefore, it is prohibited, however, it is prohibited to do gebila on this kemah kali, to put the kemah kali into water and cause some sort of kneading. Shemeh, so that he does not end up doing this with regular kemah, which is prohibited midoraita. Now, in gibul, what you would do is there would be two stages. I forgot to mention, I'm going to mention now. There's stage one where you put the chemical or whatever you want to put into the water, and then you would mix it. And the mixing would cause it to go to a different, uh, to change, to transform. Okay? So in regard to kemah kali, which is a type of roasted wheat, a flour made out of roasted wheat, you would put the flour into the water, and then you would have to mix it. This is go megabin. Because this is very similar, and it's asur, Prohibited because it's very similar to gibul of regular flour, and we do not want the person to end up transgressing the oraita law because of that. Umutar and it is it is it is allowed to do the gibul on this kemah kali slowly in a very in an unreg in an irregular fashion. However, 
ואחר כך טחנו אותה טחינה גסה שהרי היא כחול והיא נקראת שתית מותר לקבל ממנה בחומס וכיוסה בו הרבה בבת אחת. However שתית which is a different very different type of flower it's kind of like flower but very 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 thin it is the flower of wheat that did not ripen that only ripened a third of the way through and then was immediately roasted and then immediately ground into flour. This is a very odd type of flour, which is very different than regular flour. This is mutar, to do regular gibul with vinegar or whatever other type of uh, what was customary in those days. hot at once, because it's not going to bring the person to end up doing gibul in regular flour. However, this is in condition, that this shatit, whatever comes out of this shatit, will be soft and not hard. However, if the shatit, not the, if, if the, the mixture ends up being hard, it is asur because it looks like lisha. However, and there's one more condition. When you do this with the shatit, you need to do b'shinui, kesa. How? You put the shatit in, and then you put the vinegar, the second liquid, rather than putting the vinegar and then putting the shatit inside. That was what was normal to do. So you do do it in an irregular way that is not normally done on the weekdays in order to signify that this is different because you're doing it on Shabbat and therefore the person will not end up doing um, we're, we're hoping that through this the person will not end up transgressing, transgressing the De'oraita law. Halakha lamedalet. Hamursan. Afal pishe enora uila gibul en Mursan is another part of the wheat. It's the, it's the first thick waste that comes out after sip, sifting the flour, and it is pas, and you put this in water, and normally it was customary to give it to animals to eat. So hamursan, even though it's not something that can be um, uh, tangibly megubal, because when you mix it with water, it doesn't turn into one unit, but still stays split from the water. You could see it, it doesn't turn into one. An example, a very good, um, okay, to one. Nevertheless, it is not allowed. Why? Because we're afraid that you may come by doing this to do the gibul with um, a dirt, and that is gibul, which is asul. However, it is mutar, if you do it in a different manner, in a way that's irregular from the way you do it usually in hall, you put the mursan, and then you put the water, and then when mixing it, you don't mix it in a regular way by taking the spoon and mixing it in a round way however you do sheti va'ariv you take the spoon i'm trying to illustrate this as well as possible in in an oral manner you take the spoon and you imagine you have a bowl and you have a spoon and you instead of turning the spoon around in a clockwise or counterclockwise manner in a motion like that you put it forward and then you take the spoon you push the spoon forward in the mixture you don't turn it, you push it forward in the mixture, and then you push it um, backwards. And that, so to speak, mixes it in a very awkward, precarious way. And this is shinui that is substantial enough to allow you to um, put the mursan with water. However, a person shouldn't knead it or mix it with his hands because that looks like lisha as well. And if doing the Tarvad Shetiv and all the above was not sufficient to mix the Mursan enough into the water so that it's 
um, uh, consumable by the animals you want to feed it to. Um, you may take it from kelly to kelly, from um, instrument to instrument, from bowl to bowl, until it gets mixed up. You put it in and out until it gets mixed up. Then you give it to the animals that you want to feed it to. And it is also um, uh, permitted to do this, to mix it in one keli, in one in one uh, bowl of sorts, um, to do the mixing of the mursan, and then split it into different kelim and give it to the behemoth. And you may do it in one keli, even a very, very large amount. May, you may mix the mursan in one keli with even a very large amount in the manner that we previ that we just specified right now. It is prohibited to feed animals, behemoth, hayot, and birds or chickens on Shabbat in the way that you feed them in the weekday. Because we are afraid that the person may end up um, crushing legumes or kneading flour and things like that. Kesa, how? Arabam is not going to specify, as he always does. Usually, it was customary that when you give certain animals food, you give them food for many days. So you, it is prohibited to give the gamal or whatever animal you're giving food for a few days. Okay, Rather, you give him for only for the immediate needs of the animal for that specific Shabbat. Also, you may not, um, it was customary that when you were feeding a baby, um, uh, a baby uh, cow, you would, um, uh, you would hit it and cause it to open its mouth and you would put in it the karshinin, the leg, that type of legume and the water at once and it would mix in and the baby would learn to eat it himself. It would be like a way to teach it. So that's something that you usually do in hall. We don't do this on Shabbat. Also, he shouldn't um, uh, feed um, uh, um, uh, his uh, right. He shouldn't um, overfeed his birds in a way that they get overfilled. And this would be to make them fatter for shehita. Right. Um, but rather, you feed it standing, um, and you put the water into the, the, the animal's mouth while you're standing, and you don't put the water, sorry, you don't put the water in the karshinim at once, like we saw with the agil, in a way that it could um, manage with this, in other words, that it could handle what you're doing to it. Also, you may feed the chicken with your hand rather than giving it food um, in, in the manner that you do usually. Now, I must say, I am not a professional in feeding animals, and therefore my explanations here may have been lacking. But the guiding rule here is that 
feeding animals on Shabbat is allowed only, first of all, only for the immediate needs of the animal for that specific Shabbat, first of all. And second of all, so we said with a camel, don't feed the camel four days of food on Shabbat. Give it only one day of food. Second of all, do it in a way that's a little different on Shabbat Bishinui as much as possible. Okay? So as much as possible, I'm not... I'm, I'm not making halakha I'm just giving the guiding rule so that to not confuse anybody who's listening. Halakha la midva. What are we talking about? Who is a person who is a person allowed to feed on Shabbat? Meaning we say you have to feed your animal on Shabbat. So who can you feed on Shabbat? Animals that you have to feed, that you are um, obligated to feed on Shabbat. Like your own behemoth, like your own sheep and ca cattle. Heavy cattle, light cattle, um, cows and, and sheep and goats, and Yone Sovah, Yone Habait, and the person's um, pigeons, the Avazim, the Tanigolin, and chickens and, and um, uh, ducks. Abal, Alav, an animal that a person does, is not obligated to feed, like pigs and pigeons that he that aren't necessarily his, that he allows them to come into his house and live in his pigeon coop. Um, you know, from time to time they'll go back and forth, or bees that he's not prohibited, that he's not obligated to feed them. It is prohibited to feed them food or water. And it is allowed for a person to put his animal on top of um, uh, grass and allow it to eat. Um, uh, <clears throat> right. Um, even and we're not scared that um uh, you know that the person himself is going to now cut the grass to, to feed the animal because the animal is, usually feeds itself. Um, uh, However, it is asur to put an animal in front of something that is mukse, and we will learn more about the laws of mukse later on in the chapters. I'm just going to say for the understanding of this specific halacha, mukse is something. That is not allowed to be touched on Shabbat, or is food that is not allowed to be eaten on Shabbat, even though normally it would be mutar. But if it was not al da'atcha, if it was not in your mind that you can eat it, in, in many, in some specific cases, you may not. So you may not take your animal and cause it to eat this mukse food, these mukse foods on Shabbat. Baruch Adonai le'olam. Amen. Ve'amen.